0: Hello, hello, and welcome. My name is Marie Murataya, and welcome to what I am right now calling the Speech Therapist Chronicles. Um, Let me give you a little background as to what I'm doing here and why you might want to listen to me for the next, oh, looks like about 20 minutes, because that's when my chicken is coming out of the oven. <laughs> that's right. These are the chronicles of a multitasking, not always type A SLP. For example, in that not always type A world, recording this episode was not on my to do list today. Um, and it really wasn't my, on my to do list for this week but here we are. (laughs) So if you want a little bit of reason or explanation why, even though if my boyfriend Mark were on this episode with me, would probably tell me not to give you a reason or explanation why I'm going to anyways, because this is my podcast and I like to give explanations sometimes. That's what makes me a speech pathologist, right? So the reason I decided to do this, uh, just for background. I am a preschool SLP, speech language pathologist. I love my job. I'm school-based, obviously, in preschool. I love early intervention. I love the preschool age. I've worked in elementary school. My very first year after grad school, I was an elementary school SLP. Um, I interned in middle school, which was honestly really fun. I don't know if I'd go back though after preschool, I'll tell you that much. Um, And then when I was in my undergrad, I actually did do my hours my observation hours at the high school level and in grad school I worked at an inpatient rehab facility so I did the hospital setting as well so I've kind of had so many awesome opportunities to get all my like all the age areas all the different kind of settings that an SLP can be in I've had an opportunity to observe or take part in therapy um, the only thing I really haven't had a chance to to observe or be a part of is a private speech therapy clinic. However, my grad school program functioned a lot like a private SLP clinic. So I think that I had that benefit as well, because as a grad student, um, in both my years of grad school, I was a clinician for multiple clients at a time. And that was an amazing experience. And I can't I can't speak to it enough. I went to the University of Redlands, go Bulldogs, such an amazing program. But anyways, back to where we are. Um, Let me give you the date and maybe you'll understand why this is important. Today is April 13th, 2020, the year 2020, the year of so many great things, including the coronavirus. Now, yes, some of that is sarcastic. However, The greatness in that is there's a lot of learning to be done right now due to the fact that we are in a global pandemic. Um, Exactly one month ago on March 13th, 2020, my school found out we'd be shut down for two weeks at that time. We were told two weeks and then that slowly turned into going back in May, which slowly turned into, oh, guess what? We're not going back for the rest of the school year. So in the two weeks for sure that we knew we'd be off, I knew I had to change my platform. And as a speech, a a speech school, there you go. As a preschool speech and language pathologist, I definitely know and knew that, you know, one of the biggest things we can do is have, you know, face-to-face therapy, have group therapy, have peer models for our students in the classroom. I do so much collaboration with my teachers. Um, They have been I mean, even in this time, they have just been some of my best teachers because they teach me that my world doesn't only exist in my speech room. It exists in their classrooms almost more so than it does in my classroom, in my speech room. So I'm in their classrooms a lot and I love it. I didn't think I would at first when I first started working in preschool. I didn't understand the push in. I really didn't understand inclusion, even though in the end, like I'm for sure, I'm all about inclusive practices in schools, and I I always was, but I didn't know what that looked like in the speech world. I I didn't realize that pulling students out of their general education environment may not always be the best thing for them, and so, again, I love what I do. I love that collaboration piece with my teachers, but I didn't realize how important it was until now. Um, to be quite honest with you, I didn't realize how grateful I was for it and, and the impact that it had on the way I perform speech therapy now, because I've been in preschool for a couple years and it, it's just, it's just so cool to see how I've grown as a speech therapist as a result and to see how many, um, gains my students make as a result of me pushing into their classroom versus pulling them out. So anyways, I keep, I'm going to say anyways a lot because I keep getting off track because I told you, uh. I'm not so type A. So, um, not that that has to be a type A thing, I guess. Um, So yes, I have been away from uh, working with my students physically in my speech room or in their classrooms for a month. So I have uh, altered quite a few things about how I do therapy. And one of those things being, I have been working very hard the last three weeks, well, Yeah, three, two, two and a half to three weeks on creating lesson plans with my teachers. Um, They started creating weekly lesson plans. And again, this is why the collaboration piece has not, I've not felt like we're lacking that right now because they'll send me their lesson plans and I create speech activities that can correspond with those lessons. So they're not, um, my students aren't having to do different activities I'm just trying to include the language and all the speech things in the teacher's activities. We are doing optional learning, optional distance learning in my district. And I know not all districts are the same right now, but in my district, what that looks like is, you know, I'm not giving direct services at this time to my students, which is even saying it, it's so hard for me not to want. I mean, I want to, I mean, that's why I'm a speech therapist. I'm here to help my students and, you know, watch them grow and their communication skills just blossom and I can't do that right now. I'm being told not to do what I went to grad school to do in in a way. And I say that and please take that with a grain of salt because what I mean by that is I had this very narrow vision of what I was doing with my students and helping them grow. And Even though I have a hold on their services right now, doesn't mean I can't help them and I can't service, not service them, but I can't support them at a distance. And I've learned five key things. There's definitely a lot more, but I'm going to go over five key things that I learned. But I have to tell you one more thing before I start doing that. So I told you I started um, working on ways to collaborate with my teachers. And one of the ways I found I could be more useful is making videos and creating a video platform for my students and now a lot of teachers are doing this they're doing virtual lessons but I started also doing things to help the parents and doing parent coachings and these videos have turned into something that can be used by other SLPs they can be used by other teachers and other class um other parents in other districts and I've had my grad cohort people from my grad cohort reach out and say they're using them and I didn't realize that that's what they would be used for in the first place. I just started making them and putting them on YouTube to help my students. Um, And it's turned into this really exciting thing for me, because I not only have this feeling of I'm getting to my students, they're seeing my face, they're singing songs with me virtually, you know, but I'm like, oh my gosh, there are other students that are benefiting from one thing. And that's, I mean, in this time, it is so important to be finding ways that I can serve others that need it or that, you know, I, there's parents, plenty of parents home right now with their kiddos and don't really know what they can be doing for them at all hours of the day because it's it's got to be difficult to keep them occupied. And, you know, I mean, I preach limited screen time, but I can assure you if I had kids right now, because I don't have kids at this time, but if I had kids, the screen time would be off the charts some days because it's got to be freaking hard to limit that when moms and dads need a break. So again, I, you know, that's just something. So in making these videos, of course, there's some screen time. Um, I'm hoping to alleviate some pressure from parents to have to create all these ideas and all these activities for their little ones. And this is, like I said, been something so exciting for me. And The other day, my boyfriend, Mark, said, well, now you've just got to start a podcast. (laughs) And I said, well, we have a podcast. He and I do. If you go find Good Talks on Apple or on Spotify, iTunes or Spotify, uh, that's us. And we talk about all things from comedy improv, which we both do, um, to speech therapy, to watching the stock market, because that's what he likes to do. He also makes really great music, and so we talk a lot about that on there. And thankfully, you know, he's the one, I mean, he's the one that gets me so, keeps me so creative because, um, he's so creative and I'm definitely, I like to be very creative and that's, these videos have kept me creative, which keeps me inspired, which, you know, on my most emotional days with being sad about the things going on, it's helped me have something to motivate me. And I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, so I'm going to go into five things I've learned in, kind of shifting my perspective in the last month. Now, I'm realizing as I wrote these things out for this podcast, I realized these aren't just things that you would need during a global pandemic. These are things I'm going to take back to my speech room. Um, And some of these things, I came up with them and I thought, oh, but like I already do that all the time. Um, But it's just something that's become very um, important to me in the last couple of weeks. So here we go. The first thing that I've learned and that I'm super grateful for again is collaboration. Collaboration, 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 not just with my teachers, but with other speech therapists. The speech therapists in my district, although there's been, you know, disagreements and how we should be handling things, for the most part I've seen, you know, a community In them and in all of us just being able to reach out to each other and help each other and support each other and praise each other I mean I've seen some of the speech therapists I'm like wow you have some really great resources that I didn't realize and I'm so grateful for you um and even just that telling people you're grateful for them in that form of collaboration and connecting but my team my teacher team man if any of you are listening to this oh my gosh you don't know how grateful I am for you um I try to tell you guys all the time but um you guys really, you've really kept me so inspired and making my YouTube videos or my lesson plans could not be done without the vision you guys have given me. So, and that happens, I mean, that's true any day, you know, shut down or not. When I plan for my students, I'll go into the classrooms and I'll, you know, try and sit in on the planning meetings and come up with the appropriate vocabulary because I know what the theme is in the classroom. And if I'm going to do a center run a a classroom center, I make sure it corresponds with the theme. And oh my gosh, can we talk about how sad I am that I don't get to do my last two centers with my students for April and May, because I had some freaking amazing ones planned. Anyways, that was my moment. I'm over it, kind of. So collaboration. So, you know, if you're an SLP or a teacher or even a parent, I mean, the parents I get to collaborate with I love them so much. I love the families that I've become a part of as a result of my job as a preschool SLP. It's amazing because parents take home what you give them and you see that growth in your students even in an even greater amount. Okay. Number two, keep it simple. Um, I wrote KIS. That's all I needed to write, especially making these videos. But I think I've, this is something I realized I've always had um, since grad school. I was never the grad clinician who had the best activities planned, I wasn't, I was the one that was like, I got some cardboard, I got some scissors, I got some glue and some cotton balls. And we're going to make a freaking polka dot background because we're working on the words put on. And that's it. Or, (laughs) um, you know, we're, we're working on consonant, consonant, vowel, consonant words. Yes, I had that as one, it was one goal. And that's all we were doing. And I read a book, Um, called brick and stick, branching out because it's full of that syllable shape. And we worked on it all semester long. And I made up just random little activities to go with it. And it was amazing. So you'd be surprised keeping it simple. Um, But even now, like with my videos, I'm the whole point of my videos right now is to give parents uh, activities or ideas of how to do activities with their kids with things they have at home. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't, Expect or ask them to go out and buy Pop the Pig, because that's what is more useful than, you know, getting um, an old cereal box and putting some uh, dried rice in it and shaking it, um, and. Maybe not dried rice, that's a really bad example. But maybe putting like a couple of different objects in it and working on take in or take out and put in or making up a game with it. I mean, I'm talking resourceful here and keeping things simple. I know that probably didn't sound simple because you're having to think of like an activity with cereal box, but you get the point. But you know, I'm trying to say like if you have a tennis ball, you can cut it out or cut half of it and make a little puppet if you don't have puppets. Um, if you have cars, you can work on so many activities with cars, right? Or dinosaurs or, uh, baby dolls, whatever your kid has and is interested in. And that's the whole point. I'm all about following a child's lead and I'm Hannon trained by the way. So you, you know, I'm all about it. (laughs) Um, and you do what they want to do. Because that's where you get the best language sometimes. Now, sometimes you've got to go for the non-preferred activities. I get that. And I'm all about working on, you know, um, talking about when we don't like something and everything like that. But it's so important to just kind of keep it simple and follow their lead because you're going to get more engagement, more enjoyment. And that's what you want. And that's what I look for in a speech therapy setting. I will tell you, if we go the whole session and my student doesn't say a single word, I don't care if they were smiling and laughing and engaged and and enjoying that engagement the whole time. So it's super important to me, obviously, as a speech therapist, because to me, communication is a lot more than, and I think this goes pretty much for many, if not all SLPs, communication is more than words. Um, And it's just so important to have that engagement for And the fact that your student enjoys the engagement. Okay, so there you go. That was a nice long little rant. Um, Number three, singing is everything. I love it. And what's funny is when I was in high school, I actually took some singing lessons. I wanted to be a singer for like a week and didn't feel like I was any good at it. I didn't feel like I could carry a tune. My younger sister always made fun of me when I would sing to songs in the car. I don't know why. Um, And then... In uh, during my first year, well, in grad school, I will say, my um, one of my professors, my favorite professor, Cindy Weiniger, she was the teacher for my autism clinic. And she, I mean, she encouraged us to sing about anything basically. And so, like, I remember making up songs about a ball rolling and be like, The ball is rolling, the ball is rolling, where will it go? Where will it go? And then I don't remember how it ends, but, like, I just kind of made it up on the spot in one of my sessions, and you do that, you know, repetition of it, you get some language in there, you're talking about functional vocabulary, things like that. Um, But what's really funny is I never thought, even then, I was like, but I don't have, like, I'm not a good singer. And the fun part is, you don't, it doesn't matter if you think you're a good singer or not, singing is still everything because it's fun to stretch your voice, and you can, do things up high, or you can do things down low, and you just, I don't know, you just get so much engagement out of it, Um, and then the fun, I told you, I do comedy improv, and so one of the things I got to take a workshop in is, um, it was improv uh, singing, and there are actually troops and groups that do improv improvised musical so they'll get a suggestion and do a musical on the spot for like an hour and a half to two hours which is amazing um and so after that workshop mark who plays the guitar and i started we actually have if you if you find our youtube oh i will uh i will send you a starbucks gift card with fifteen dollars on it if you can uh f- tell me the first video that we put out with the first song that we sang on our first youtube with songs because we have other youtube videos but find the one with our improvised songs you will not be sorry they are fun i think we sang about dishes i still get um the dishes song stuck in my head and then we sang about coffee once i mean we did all kinds of stuff we did it for a long time um so singing is everything And now in preschool, I mean, that's what we tell our parents, like, as long as you're talking, reading and singing with your child, like they will make progress, you make time for that throughout your day. Um, And that singing part, like, you know, if you think about I've, you think about like Ed Sheeran, um, you know, and, and individuals who stutter, but then they can go and they can sing. It's, it's so interesting, because it does it changes, it changes how your voice feels and it, it changes kind of. Like, if you could just go off on in a song and forget about everything else, it's just so liberating, and I, I felt that when I started doing the improv songs, and it really made me feel like a singer. I mean, again, like, no vocal training, one week's worth or whatever, but I really felt confident in it, doing the improv songs, and now with my preschoolers, I don't care who, you know, if someone were to accidentally walk in my speech room while I'm singing, it doesn't matter, and now I'm making videos with singing my preschool songs for them so they can sing them at home. Um... And it's it's just so fun. And I think the fun part of learning this whole thing is like, I can make up songs. I can do it. I can make them up on the spot, you know? Okay. And then the last thing, number, um, oh the last thing, no, number four. I, I only wrote down four, but number five's in my head because I got distracted. Told ya. Um, number four, so I told you I do improv. And improv is an art, right? I think being an improviser and being a speech-language pathologist are very similar because I do both, and so I can speak to that in a way. And if improv is an art, being an SLP is an art, what is the first thing they tell you that you need to be able to do to be an SLP? You need to be able to be flexible. And I still, I learn it all the time, but in this last couple of weeks, that flexibility, the art form of being flexible is has been so important because we are getting news we're getting changes in what we're supposed to do or how we're supposed to roll things out or provide supports for families we're getting told little different little things all the time every week something changes and it could get really stressful and I just have to take a deep breath and say that's okay I was meant to be flexible and just roll with it because no matter what it's the best possible thing for my students and I'm trusting in that Um, and in improv, that's the whole part point of improv is being flexible because you have to do what, if you know, improv, you have to yes. And, and you have to, uh, agree with your partner and agree with the change that maybe your partner is making in that scene, which is going to change the whole point of the scene and the whole message you're sending. And if you don't, yes. And the scene can now, sometimes it it might work out because your scene partner is a genius and can still come out of it. But for the most part, if you don't yes and, it really creates, um, gosh, for lack of a better term, a crappy environment for your scene. And if I don't yes and the speech path therapist's life, it could be a bad environment for my students. And so that flexibility is so important. Um, and then number five, and you might have heard me say this, but uh, this is something I walk through life with. And that is trusting that no matter what happens it's the best possible thing. And that is something Mark has been reminding me of in this moment. I mean, you hear me referencing him a lot. He's been my emotional support um, through this. And he's been supporting all my creativity and all this too, which is thank you, Mark. Um, But the best possible thing is happening to me always. And it's happening to my students always. And believing in that has gotten me through. Um, This has been an emotional time. It's been frustrating, but it's also been, there's been so much beauty. I mean, I spent three weeks of waiting for what I was supposed to do, you know, for my district to tell me what to do. And I realized there was so much beauty in that waiting and trusting in the best possible thing, because um, in that, I've been just able to create these things and be able to connect with new individuals and new SLPs on social media who are going through the same stuff I'm going through or the SLPs that are working in the hospital still that are scared going to work and being able to just shout their worth and connect with them. And then being able to connect with my students in this new way makes me realize, like, I already knew I loved my job. I already knew I loved my students, but how grateful I am for them and, for this career, I found, and let me tell you, I'm going to go into this on another podcast and talk to you about how I became an SLP, but it was not a grandmaster plan of mine. Um, It kind of just happened, and I'm so grateful for it. It was truly, um, you know, you call it a God thing, a universe thing. Um, It was the best possible thing, and I mean, my heart just soars thinking about how grateful I am for it. Um but with that uh, my chicken is just ready to come out of the oven and I should probably do that before it dries out. So thank you so much for listening. Um please if you have any questions for me, um any feedback you'd like to give, anything you'd like to hear about, I am I am all ears. I my goal is to have some of of course my friends um Allison, I'm looking at you, uh come on here with me pretty often. <laughs> um and, uh, Jennifer, you too. And Celeste, you too. And Vanessa, you too. Okay. I've name dropped enough. Um, but that is a big goal of mine is to have us on here and be connecting. You know, we're probably gonna have to do it via zoom for a little while, but that's okay. It's the best possible thing. All right. For all of you listening again, so grateful for you. I'm sending virtual hugs to you. Um, and I will be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.